this morning to God's Word Baptist Church, our Sunday school hour. Uh, we're going to be in this book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 23. We've been going through the Shepherd Psalm, taking a look at specifically um, how Christ is our shepherd. Uh, we were talking about last week um, in verse... Uh, uh, um, in verse uh, uh, f- four over there, where he was talking about the, the rod and the staff um, comforting, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, this morning. But before we do that, before we get started, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again that we have this time and opportunity to come and to hear from your word. Lord, I bet, pray above all that uh, you will work in our hearts That, Lord, you would be glorified, that, Lord, you would be manifest, that, Lord, you would continue to reveal yourself to us. I pray that our hearts would be prepared this morning, that uh, your Holy Spirit will have begun a work in our hearts, and that, Lord, we would be receptive to what you have for us. Lord, we know specifically that if uh, you're not here and your Spirit is not with us and uh, there is not a willingness of heart, that all of this is vain and unfruitful. And Lord, we just desire this morning to bear fruit unto you, to glorify your name, to give you praise for who you are and what you've done. And I, Lord, I, Lord, I just pray that we would have that mindset this morning. Pray, Lord, you'd be with me, just uh, speak through me, that, Lord, you'd give me strength and give me those words that uh, are needed for us, that, uh, Lord, again, you would be magnified above all. I thank you again for this time, and pray, Lord, that it would be pleasing and honoring unto you in all that we do. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. In Psalm chapter 23, we were looking at verse 4, and it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And again, we talked a, a bit about that thou art with me, and there is such a huge comfort uh, understanding that there's such a huge comfort knowing that regardless of what happens, uh, that the Lord is with us. I was reading Psalm 139 the other day and you go through and you read that passage and it makes it very clear about what the Lord is saying, what the Lord is, uh, uh doing for us. And it makes it very clear that, uh, regardless of where we are in our life, God is going to be with us. And, and again, this comes down to this acceptance of verse 1, where there is that, if you will, declaration of who the Lord is to this psalmist, who, who, who he truly is. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I mean, there's no, uh, uh, um, if you will, mincing of words in this part. There's no uh, confusion about what this psalmist is saying, what the declaration is, and that is that he is... Uh, uh, this, uh, this psalmist's guidance. He is this psalmist's leader. He's this psalm's master. I have a, 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 a quote that's written in the front of my Bible, and it says, it is the master in people's life who makes a difference in their destiny. And that's uh, from an individual that wrote a, a, a book called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. He made it very clear that there's going to be a different part of life or a difference in lives when a person is uh, serving a different master. When we when a person serves sin, there's a very distinct, uh, if you will, destiny that occurs. When a person is serving the Lord, there's a very different destiny 
than the world than uh, the, the, the wicked have. And we see this here very clearly because we find that the Lord is with this sheep, this psalmist. But he continues on in that same thought, talking about how the Lord is with him, and it is with thy rod and thy staff. It's with thy rod and thy staff. This is something that is extremely important for us to understand. Without having that rod and staff in place, there is no true guidance. There is no true direction. And we talked a lot about what the rod is and how that rod is the word of God, how that rod is a corrective thing, how the rod leads us into that path of righteousness. Uh, again, when we look at those those things that the, the, they sometimes are thought to be the same, the rod and the staff, but they are very different. They are very unique. The rod is a kind of a punitive thing, but at the same time, it is a comforting thing. It's comforting to know that the Lord corrects us. It's comforting to know that the Lord is going to take care of it. But with that rod, we also saw that there is the defense that is there. We also saw very clearly that with that defense, there is going to be uh, some protection for us. That's why it is comforting. Well, not only is it going to correct us, but it's also going to defend us. And, and again, we take a look at this staff here, and we it, 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 just kind of understanding what this staff is about. A, a staff of this nature was something that was used to retain wandering sheep. And again, the staff, uh, uh, it was meant for some sort of support that the, the, the shepherd would lean upon when when they're out there in the fields. At the same time, it was meant to pull sheep in. It was meant to uh, keep them in the certain paths. It was meant to uh, support. It was meant to hold up, if you will, some sheep that were weak. It was meant to do all those things, but it was also kind of used in the form throughout scripture and throughout uh, um, throughout uh, uh, history as some form of, if you will, an instant of, of authority. Now, the rod also contributes to that authority, uh, but here, very clearly, that staff also does that. You think about the staffs that, that have been used throughout Scripture with Aaron's rod and, and, and it budding after it was long since dead, and, and they preserved that and kept it. Uh, when we think about those things, and, and while they're very similar in nature, what we find is that this staff is also the comforting part of it. it. It's a very gentle guidance versus a more firm approach. It, it, it's a supportive thing, and it's an uplifting thing. Go over to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 36. <clears throat> when we take a look at what happens with with this issue of trust... Um, we see here that the psalm, or that Isaiah is, is prophesying, he's talking about certain things, and he, he makes mention of how the nation of Israel has trusted in the wrong staff. Because, again, what I want us to understand is, is that staff is very much symbolic of trust. There's something that we can, we can determine from that, and specifically this passage that leads us that we can trust the Lord. In verse uh, 6 here, it says, Lo, thou trustest in the staff out of this broken reed on Egypt, whereon if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So was Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all that trust in him. 
But I, but if thou say unto me, we trust in the Lord our God, it is not he who high places uh, and uh, whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away, and Judith and, and to Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar. He makes it very clear here there's a choice of who they're going to trust. They're going to trust God or they're going to trust Egypt. And, and throughout throughout the, the nation of Israel's history, you find that there was many times that they trusted other governments. They trusted other nations to help them. They trusted in them, in if you will, as hired help to uh, to assist them when it was they should have been relying solely upon the Lord. And he describes it, and he says, if, if somebody is going to lean on this staff of of, uh, of Egypt, he said, it's not a, a firm staff; it's broken. Somebody leans on it, it's going to snap off, and it's going to run right through their hand. It's going to injure them. Now, that's not the staff of the Lord. The staff of the Lord is very different. The staff of the Lord is a firm staff. It gives us a structure. And one of the greatest parts of this staff is the fact that it can provide a comfort. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, and specifically in verse 1. Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 1, here he is again talking to Israel, says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. This is a comfort that's needed. Even in their times of trouble, even in their times of, 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 uh, of you know, consequences of their own actions, he's still saying there should be some comfort. Now, you go through uh, uh, um, Isaiah, and you find there's a lot of things that are proclaimed that they're doing wrong. Now, we just saw over there talking about trusting in Egypt. We talk about, uh, you know, how, how they did other things uh, throughout uh, uh, their history. Israel, again, you're trusting in the wrong thing, doing whatever it is. But the Lord continues to say, look, there's comfort with that. And he'll correct them. He brings them into bondage. He'll take it, you know, something will happen. And then he, he tries to correct, he tries to correct them. And that is a comforting thing. That's a comforting thing. Isn't it great that the Lord would say, I want to comfort my people? It's great that the Lord would want to comfort us. Take a look again at a couple of pages over in Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah chapter 52. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 52 and in verse 9, it says, Break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. You know, this is one of the greatest things that I think a lot of, 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 of born again, saved children of God don't really truly grasp is the comfort of the Lord. We, there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable in this world. There's a lot of things that, that, that you have discussions that make you uncomfortable. There are a lot of situations that make you uncomfortable. Uh, there, there are places that we go that may make us uncomfortable. There are situations we are in that will make us uncomfortable. But I will tell you this. One of the greatest things that we as Christians can have is the Holy Spirit in us who is the comforter 
and comforts us through his word that we, we understand this concept that we are redeemed. Here, here we're talking about the redemption of Jerusalem and he's saying, look, this is a comforting thing. And I'll do, if you're trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, I will tell you, you are redeemed. And if you are redeemed, you have unlimited amount of comfort. Why, why don't we tap into that? Why don't we access that? Because sometimes we think it's more comfortable for us to be wracked with the wrong type of, type of fear. To be racked with unrest. I mean, if we are sheep of his pasture and he is our shepherd, there should be a great deal of comfort knowing that, that he is with us. The rod and the staff of the word of God tells us this and comforts us. The reason that many Christians don't have comfort in their life in this day and age is because they have failed to open the Word of God. They have failed to have the, the Holy Spirit, uh, um, or listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to them. And, and there, there should be no reason why that occurs. There is no valid reason, and, and everybody's gonna have an excuse or a reason as to why that occurs. And I've had it in my life. And every reason and, and, and excuse I've ever had in my life for, for, for trying to avoid the comfort of Scripture is just absolute insanity, in my opinion. Because we're focusing on what God is doing for us. Turn over the book of Romans. Romans chapter 15. I mean, over and over and over again, if there's one thing that we see throughout Scripture... Old Testament, New Testament is the comfort of the Lord. The comfort of the Lord. Uh, let's think about this for a second. If God created us to have a relationship with him, if God created us to be with him, if God created us in that manner, in that vein, in that mindset, that should be a comforting thought for us. He wants to have a relationship with you. And again, this isn't just like some, some CEO that just happens to know your name because you did a good job with a company. This isn't just because you, you happen to greet some, you know, famous person or something like that and you had a, a five minute conversation with them. That's not the way the Lord operates. The Lord operates in a very personal manner, individual. It's not, it's not just some corporate governance that he has over us. It's an individual working in us, each one of us. And that's why it becomes important that we don't allow anyone else to control or we, we be, ma- uh, have other masters over us. It, it, it's important that we, we, we realize that throughout scripture, who God is, is he is a comforting God. He's a comforting God. I've read the Quran. There's not a lot of comfort there. There really isn't. It, it, it's actually a pretty stark contrast 
to who God is compared to who this other lesser God, God, Allah, is. And again, I have my opinion of how that all it works out, but but I'll, I'll just suffice it to say, it's a created God. It's man-made. Our God isn't. There should be comfort with that. There should be comfort with that. Take a look what he says in Romans chapter 15 and uh, look at verse, uh, <coughs> pardon me, verse 4. He says, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. So uh, the scriptures were written for our learning. I want us to understand that. Because the next part is going to be very, very important. That we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So here's this rod and staff providing a comfort. And he said that the way that that comfort comes about is through the scriptures, which produces hope. When people don't have hope, they are comfortless. They are uncomfortable. And what happens with with our life is we need hope. If the Lord is not our shepherd, there is no hope. There is none. What are we going to hope in? What, 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 where in, is, is anything in this life going to prove to be something that is sustainable through eternity? Nothing. The laws of thermodynamics teach us that. Everything breaks down. Everything breaks down. At some point in time, everything stops working. Everything stops working. I mean, just, just think about this. Just, just, just kind of give an example of this, just for a moment. Right now, everybody's got this huge push to move all of the phones onto the 5G network, okay? Now look, before we go there and we start talking about prophecy and conspiracy theories with 5G, just bear with me, okay? Let's just kind of ignore that for a moment, all right? But let's, let's focus. They want everybody on those things. They dropped the 3G network. A lot of cars were operating off of that network. They're no longer operating. Meaning those little OnStar push button things and stuff like that, they stop working at some point in time. They're no longer available. Why? Because nobody's supporting the 3G network because they shut it down. They're shutting it down, I should say. They're in the process of doing it. And guess what's next? 4G. And that's right around the corner because they're again pushing 6G. So guess what happens? Your 4G phones that you have if it's not 5G capable, is going to stop operating. (laughs) Yeah. For some people, that's like, yeah, we don't have to worry about it. For some people that rely on it, guess what that means? you got to get a new phone, right? Now, just think about this for a second. It's not sustainable. I mean, really, I remember back in the day when people were talking about a 286 computer being fast. Yeah, that's like really dating myself, I know. 
Uh, I actually had one of the first uh, Intel 486 chips that somebody had given me. It was a little promotional thing. I actually had one of those, and I thought, oh, wow, this is so cool. And I look at that today, and I'm like, that's a slug. (laughs) I mean, again, where are we going to get comfort? If the world's technology, which is supposed to be, quote-unquote, vastly superior and make our lives so much better, is unsustainable... Then, then how could we even rely on that? And it says that the scriptures, patience, comfort, that's where it's found. And it's all those things that, w- that were written before for our learning. You realize all that stuff in the Old Testament. Yeah, even Numbers and Leviticus was written so that we would learn. And when we learn... We get patience and hope, and when we get, or excuse me, patience and comfort, and when we get patience and comfort, we actually have hope. It's a chain reaction. You remove one of those elements out of there, it fails. We wind up comfortless. If you remove the word of God from your life, You will be racked with anxiety that is out of control. You will be racked with fears. You will be racked with uh, all sorts of concerns. You will be a fretter and you will make your life miserable. But if we have the scriptures there and we are learning from it, we can have comfort. We can have comfort. Turn over to the book of John, John chapter 10. And this is an important thing, because in order for us, when we read the Bible, we, we, we know very clearly that over there in, um, in 1 John, it talks about how the, word, uh, how the Holy Spirit teaches us from the Word of God. When you go through and read, uh, you know, here you are, you, you go through and you read something, and then all of a sudden you, you, you get that kind of, if you will, um, and this sounds weird, but you know, obviously if you've been a Christian for a while, you know what I'm talking about. That little voice inside your head <laughs> that tells you, hey, that verse is pretty important. You begin to think about it and you begin to meditate on it. And the Lord shows you something in your life, whether it's something you're going through and you get the comfort. And there's joy that's there and you just get excited about it. Look, that wasn't you. That was the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart teaching you something, and you got excited about it. That's That right there is an important thing. But take a look at what he says here to, to, to the disciples in John chapter 10 as he goes through this, and uh, take a look down over at verse 25. And he says, And Jesus answered them, <clears throat> I told you, and you believe not, for the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of uh, my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. Now again, he's, he's he, sorry, he's not talking to the disciples, he's talking to the Jews at this point in time, and they are upset about this. They're upset about this, where he says in verse 30, I and my father are one, because and then what happens in verse 31, it says that the Jews took up stones again to stone him. 
And, and, and I, I point this out primarily to say, to, to show here that the, here he is talking about knowing the voice of God and knowing what he's saying and knowing the truth behind it. That is a comforting thing. That is a comforting thing. Truth is always going to comfort better than any lie ever will. It's always better. It's always the better option. But what we find here is as we go through this, he's saying, look, this is something that's comforting in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Here we have a situation where they weren't willing to listen. They weren't willing to listen. And what happened when they weren't willing to listen? They got worked up into a fervor where in verse 31 it says, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. That doesn't sound like they were very comforted. That sounds like they got a little irritated. Well, again, the truth is, is that he is God. And when he declared himself as such, they thought it was wrong and they decided they wanted to kill him. Because again, he was going to usurp their authority. Well, they didn't have any authority except what was given to them by God in the first place. But this idea and this concept that that this voice of God is something that is a comfort, this voice of God is something that, that we should rely on, is imperative to a Christian life because if you go down a little bit further here, uh, just look at the comfort that is provided in verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life. That's comforting. And they shall never perish. That's even more comforting. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Again, that's comforting. That's a huge comfort. <clears throat> And, and, and this is very interesting, uh, and, and this is what got them all riled up. He says, no man shall pluck them out of my hand. This is just kind of a side note. He says, my father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. So he just related his hand to the father's hand as being one and the same, which he says, I and my father are one. Yeah, that just made their little minds go explode. <laughs> they had a hard time with that. But you know what? For for a sheep that listens to the voice of the shepherd, that's comfort. Is it not comforting to know right here in Scripture what was written for us, for our learning, things that are written to give us patience and comfort so that we will have hope, is that nobody is going to remove you from God's hand. I want you to think about that for a second. Nobody is going to remove you from God's hand. Look, we can get kicked out of all sorts of clubs and groups, right? You can say something stupid on Facebook and then you get booted from the group, right? You can say you do something stupid at work and then you get booted from the clique of the cool people at work, right? <laughs> Whatever it may be, but there's stuff that's there that, that we, we get removed from frequently. Nobody is going to be able to take you away from Jesus Christ. 
to me, the very first stop when I'm going through a difficult thing is, is this. Okay, well, let me stop and think about this. Okay, what am I thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for that Jesus Christ gave me forgiveness of sins and eternal home in heaven and, and, and that no one is ever going to be able to change that. I just stop there and think about that and meditate on it. Guess what happens? Comfort. Comfort. What happens in this world happens. That doesn't change, as I was talking about earlier, my destiny of what God has put before, which is I would have eternal life. Nothing's going to change that. Nothing's going to change that. Go over to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians... <clears throat> In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, here he is in his salutation to the church at Corinth again um, uh, in, in verse 4. Now let's back up a little bit here to verse 3. He says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, The God of all comfort. Look, if you want something real and good, you want to go to the source of it. It was absolutely hilarious. The other day, I I, I stopped by Sportsman's Warehouse uh, to just go check and, and, and grab something real quick. And I was there, and there was this uh, this lady at uh, the gun counter, and she was looking um, for an AR-15 for herself. Now, look, you know, it's controversial, I guess, for some people, but whatever. I don't think it's controversial for us because, you know, hey, people here have them. So, <laughs> but, but that being said, uh, she was looking at AR-15s and she's looking at it and she's looking at it and she goes, well, what manufacturer is this? And the, the, the guy behind the counter, I was just watching this interaction. It was funny. And, and he, he gave the name of it and she says, so it's not Colt. And, and he said, no, it's not. She said, do you have a Colt? And and he said, yes, we do. I, and he brought it out and he put it there and she grabs it and she holds it and she goes, oh yeah, this is what I want. She said, this is the real one. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, AR stands for Armalite, but never mind. Moving on on that point. <laughs> Probably a little too much information, but you know, whatever. And, and, and she's just, because she wanted it, because she, she identified Colt as that main manufacturer of the AR-15 rifle. And she's like, I don't want anything else. And her husband's standing there looking at, and she said, see, see the difference in the price tag. <laughs> you know, she was focusing on that. She says, this one's better. Now, you know, whatever in person's mind and stuff like that. And I understand preferences and things, but she was convinced about that. I mean, if you want the real deal, you're going to go to the source of where it's from, right? If you want real comfort in this life, aren't you going to go to some place where the comfort is real? The one that actually created comfort? That's God. There is no comfort outside of him. It's just like love. It says God is love. Love without God is insufficient. It's incomplete. 
Comfort without God is incomplete and it does not satisfy. You can't find comfort in the world. We find it in, in God because he says he's the God of all comfort. And verse 4 it says, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith ourselves uh, are comforted of God. This is an amazing thing. This is sheep comforting sheep because the shepherd comforted them. That's the purpose behind this. You know, we go through some difficult things in our life. We go through some trials. But you know what? When we get comfort from the Lord, you know what we do with that comfort? That's going to comfort someone else. You don't hoard that for yourself. You don't keep that for yourself. We we'll talk about that in Ecclesiastes tonight. Person that hoards those things and, and keeps them and doesn't use them, that's, he says that's evil. The same thing when we are given something and we're given comfort, you share that. You, you don't keep that for yourself. Why? Because somebody else needs it too. And trust me, there's enough comfort to go around. Why? Because it's God. And God is, there's enough God to go around for everyone. And then, I mean, beyond more. (laughs) Because of who he is. You know, here we are going back over there to Psalm chapter 23. I mean, we we find here very clearly when he says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We're talking about, you know, when a person is going through this process of, 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 uh, tribulations and, and, and some correction or whatever it may be, this valley of the shadow of death, and there's the evil that is coming around from every portion. This psalmist is saying, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to fear those things because I have that word of God with me. I have the word of God with me, Jesus Christ, and I have the scriptures, and I have the Holy Spirit, and I have God himself teaching me and guiding me and directing me. He's always going to be with me. What, what do I have to fear? And I'll tell you, it, 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 just think about that. Think about that shepherd's staff that when the sheep gets into trouble, he, he can reach down with that staff and instantaneously grab a hold of that sheep and pull it out of that pit. That's the word of God, right? That pulls you out of that pit. It extricates us from peril and disaster. And generally, it's when we've fallen into that pit because of the folly of our own sin. That's what happens. And here it's just, it's just an absolute just joy that as he corrects the sheep and he corrects those whom he loves, and we realize this, this is all comfort. This is all comfort. That staff and that rod, those things comfort us on a day-to-day basis. Take a look at the next verse here as we go through this. And in verse 5, where he's talking about, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. 
So here we've already talked about the provision that he gives us with green pastures and still waters, the restoration, the fact that we shall not want. And here he is, he's going into further detail about this. And he's saying, look, the the Lord has prepared a table before me and it's in the presence of mine enemies. It's something that I get to receive from the Lord that others that hate God and hate me get to see and see the Lord working in my life. See what the shepherd does. That's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. Because I'll tell you, when the shepherd is there and he is watching over the sheep and they're there in those green pastures and that shepherd is there watching over and these predators come around seeking to devour the sheep and the shepherd's there and hears a little rustle and he turns and he looks over in that direction, that predator's going to think twice. The predator's going to attack sneakily. The predators are going to attack in a deceitful manner. They view that shepherd as a threat to them and they're going to wait till that shepherd's not looking. Now, praise the Lord, the shepherd, our shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, is always looking. He's always doing that. Because you know what he did? He prepared that table for us. You think about that that word table, and you think about uh, how, you know, if you will, in the form of a, a plateau. Nice level ground. If you think about this for a second, it's kind of interesting how the Lord talks about this. Talks about our walk. Talks about our journey. Talks about how the sheep are being led through various different areas. And we've seen here, we've talked about uh, about valleys here. And also understand this, that, that you cannot have valleys if there are no mountains. It's just impossible. But what we find here very clearly is that not only are there valleys and there's mountains, but there's areas where there's plateaus that are well watered, that are taken care of, that are plains, that are are rich and fertile and have a ton of, of, of good food and all of these things, and they're prepared. Now look, the psalmist is making this clear. There's a lot of preparation. You know, sheep work is not easy work, okay? Not only are the sheep difficult to deal with, but you got to do a lot of prep work. There's a lot of things that sheep can't eat. There's a lot of things that are toxic for sheep. Uh, there was a, a story about an individual who had just got a, his uh, his first flock of sheep and he was tending to them. And uh, he had this big giant field and it was beautiful. And there's all these little flowers that were blooming in there and stuff like that. And uh, somebody comes up and says, you're going to put your sheep in that pasture? One of these older shepherds, and he goes, yeah. He says, well, you need to go through, and you got to remove all those little flowers. He says they're toxic to them. It'll paralyze the sheep, and they'll die. And he's like, what? He goes, yeah, you got to get rid of it. So he went out there, him and his children, and they're you know on their hands and knees. Could you imagine trying to do that through a, a, a field? Could you imagine sitting down there, and let's just say... Clover grows very well here in the Pacific Northwest. Let's say clover was it, and you had to remove clover from a field on your hands and knees. Yeah, that's what they were doing. Why? Because he cared about his sheep. He cared about his sheep. 
He wanted to make sure there was nothing there. The shepherd does the same thing. He's he's going through and he's taking care. He's got to make sure that wherever he's going, that area is prepared, ready for the sheep. That areas that are muddy that they can get trapped in are are cordoned off or or uh, not ac- accessible. That, that, that there's protection, that there's safety, that there's no uh, you know rattlesnake dens nearby, or uh, he doesn't take and and build a. You know, put the the sheepfold right next to a bear den or something like that. I mean, you know, he's he's got to go through and he's got to prepare the place. He he makes that path for the sheep, and he takes and takes time to prepare that area for the sheep to be able to inhabit that. Here he is, and if you will, talking about table as well, and yet now he's kind of talking about in the form of a maybe a bit of a non-sheep thing, and we think about a table that is prepared before us. You know, last potluck, we had a lot of good food, a lot of good chicken down there. I even had some spicy chicken too. <laughs> but when we think about this, there was a lot of stuff that went into the preparation for that to put down there for people to eat. You realize how much preparation went in to putting this together for you? Just think about that. The men that translated this into English, those 49 men, it started off with a few more than that, but those 49 men that were picked to work on that, to translate it into English, so you didn't have to learn Latin, or Kony Greek, or Aramaic, or ancient Hebrew. Languages which nobody speaks anymore except theologians, by the way. <laughs> Let's think about that for a second. He prepared that so that we would have this. So that we would have this in front of us. You realize that the, the, the Old Testament prophets didn't have this? Well, they had the word of God directly. Yeah, but but so do we. Is this not the word of God directly? Well, God isn't talking to us. No, he, he, he choo- chose to write it down for us and give it to us. Could you imagine the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job, being preserved for thousands of years? And he prepared that? That when you read the book of Job and you're going through a trial and the book of Job speaks to you and the Holy Spirit uses a verse in there to encourage you and to comfort you, was that not prepared thousands of years later for your exact scenario and situation you're in? Well, how did God know? Because he's God. And think about this, you know, here he is, again, you go over there and it says he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Over there in Matthew chapter 4, it details that temptation of Christ, those three temptations that he dealt with. All of those things that he was dealing with, with the other people that were around him. And as we saw over there, it said that the devil came and tempted it and left him for a season Meaning that the devil came back again and again and again and again and again. It wasn't just three times and he stopped. It was a continual thing. 
And he went all through that, if you will, preparing a way for us so that when we meet those same circumstances and situations, he knows exactly how to do it, that he's given us a way to escape, as Scripture says. Those common temptations. All those things that we begin to see, what he does, I mean, you know, the shepherd's going through removing toxic plants. He's going through revealing where the predators are and keeping them at bay. He's doing all this. He's, he's making sure that wherever he's leading the sheep, there's enough sustenance for all the sheep, plenty enough for them to eat everything that is there. And here's Christ coming before us. Doing all of this prep work, going through all the things that he's gone through, everything that we might encounter. And here he is, he was tempted as we are, just, you know, again, without sin. He suffered all of those experiences. He went through the same sorrows that we go through. He experienced the same grief, and he acquainted himself with it, as the scripture says. Also, he could prepare it for us. So that he could come alongside and encourage us and edify us and comfort us. All of that, right there. And, 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 and regardless of where we are in this life, whether we're in a valley, whether we're, we're in a mountain, whether we're on a plateau, there's the sustenance of the Lord that's always there. That table is always ready. That table is always ready. And he just opens it up and he just is like, there, I prepared it for you. I mean, I don't have to do any, nope. You just get to enjoy it. You get to enjoy the provision of God. And while everyone else is around watching it, I've seen in my own life where things have happened and things have occurred where the Lord has directly involved himself in situations in my life that it was very clear that it was not of a human doing. And I've seen people that have hated God stop and go, wait a second, what just happened? What just happened was the Lord. What just happened was the shepherd. He prepared it and I pro- he provided it for me. I came and I ate. Can you, now, now, I want you to think about this for a second. When he's preparing this table for us, he's wanting us to come to that table to eat. The enemies around us get to see that. And they see that there you are at the table, communing with the shepherd. They're not going to touch you. I want you to think about that for a second. You go over there to the book of Job, and you find the devil making some pretty wild accusations about Job, right? He's going to curse you. And God's like, no, he's not. He gave the devil carte blanche to do just about everything. Just couldn't kill him. And through that, the Lord knew that Job was never going to curse God. Never going to curse him. And he proved the devil a liar. And you know what was happening the whole time as he's sitting there going through those seven days of a living hell? You know what happened? The Lord was preparing something for him that was greater. There's a great table that was prepared for him. 
And at the end of it, you go through the book of Job and you see at the end of it, all of those things, and what happened and occur. And when his, uh, if you will, his affliction is lifted and what all the stuff that comes back, his children are back. I mean, all of that stuff that the, the, the Lord gave, you have to know that irritated the devil. He chose to leave his throne, the devil did. He had his own throne. He chose to leave that and abandon it because he became envious and wanted to be God. And he has dedicated his entire existence to undoing God. Now, obviously, we know what the end of the book says. It will be unsuccessful venture. But he's still trying. He's still doing it. And you know what really, really probably bothers him? And I'm speaking a little bit as a fool here. Is when you sit there and you go to the table that the Lord has prepared and you get to enjoy it. Because he's given, God's given us so much. And, and the devil just, he can't pluck you out of his, out of the Lord's hand. He can't do anything. But, but, but I, I, I want to make this clear. That's when we're at the table. If we choose to not be at the table, enjoying what God has given us, and we're out seeking our own grass. Guess what happens? The devil, as a roaring lion, seek, roaming about seeking whom he may devour, gets us and takes us out. This is this Christian life. I mean, here we are again. It's very clear over and over again. The, the Lord makes the way safe. Talks about that you know that the horse is prepared unto the day of battle, right? Horse is prepared under the day of battle. I mean, it's trained and everything else. But it says, but safety is of the Lord. You can, you can prepare and you can have everything under the sun. You can have everything that every prepper would ever want. Right? But safety is of the Lord. Safety is of the Lord. All of that comes down to, to, to this thought process that here he is in, in, in the, in the presence of your enemies. The presence of your enemies. Not just God's enemies, but your enemies. God continues to provide. There's such a great witness here that just keeps talking about the more abundant life that he, that, that he told he would give us. All of these things. I mean, this is all in the presence of, of, of the enemy. This is all in the presence of the enemy. Those predators, and, and, and as he's defending against uh, them, uh, are defending uh, you specifically, and he's, he's keeping them at bay, and we get to see all this, and everyone around us gets to see this witness and this testimony of what the Lord is doing for us. I and mean, it's just an amazing thing. 
You go over to the book of John, John chapter 14, and you go over there, and, and in the first couple of verses, it says that Jesus Christ is talking to his disciples and says, I go to prepare a place for you. I want you to go there. Take a look at John chapter 14. I want you to see this, and I want you to think about this. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and in verse 1, I want you to see, what is he talking about here? Comfort. Comfort. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you, you believe in God, believe also in me. I mean, he makes it very clear here, right? There's the comfort. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He makes it very clear. He says there's preparation involved. You know, we prepare for stuff. We prepare for a trip. You prepare uh, food ready to get cooked. You prepare feasts and meals. You prepare all of those things. Sometimes we try to prepare things in our life. But I'll tell you, the best preparation is the Lord's preparation. Notice it didn't say that that the sheep prepared this. It was the shepherd that prepared it according to the shepherd's will. And what the shepherd was going to give him. A sheep will eat any food or any grass or anything that you put in front of it. Which is why you have to be very careful about what you put in front of the sheep. So you know what he does? He goes along and he removes those things from us. Prepares it for us. In such an amazing way. Now, now we're going to talk a little bit more about the oil next week, but, but, but again, I want us to start thinking about this mindset of provision. Because it'll become very apparent here why all of this stuff is being prepared. This is, this, again, this is a blessing that the Lord is doing for his sheep. One of the many blessings that we find in this passage. And it is such a great thing to know that the Lord is always constantly doing that preparatory work for us. Did he not prepare the way of salvation? He prepared his word for us. He prepared, uh, 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 you know, our hearts to receive. And all of these things, I mean, this is just amazing what the Lord does in our life on a constant daily basis with preparation. But next week we'll find out a little bit more about this connection with oil. It's kind of, if you will, a little bit of a half thought here at this point. Something to think about, meditate on as we continue to move forward with this, with this preparation. But again, just kind of, if you will, wetting that appetite to think about what the Lord has prepared for us in our life and how we can enjoy that. Let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. Thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to be in your word. Pray, Lord, that you would just uh, continue to have us focus on what you've done for us, the, the comfort that you give us, and again, Lord, that preparation in our life. I pray, Lord, that you just work in our hearts, that we'd be ready to receive the message for the 11 o'clock service. And this I ask and pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.